Welcome to the Paul Spradley Show, a show dedicated to real strategies from real people practicing real leadership in diverse and inclusive cultures. And now here's your host, CEO of the diversity training firm, the Care-Based Leadership Collaborative, Dr. Paul David Spradley. Hey, everybody. How the heck are you? I don't know if you notice. But I now have a mustache and little beard, and I just I look like a completely different person. For those of you who are listening, it is a fully grown baby mustache and beard. Like it's not really there, but sort of there. Changes my entire look. I don't even know why I'm talking about this because nobody nobody cares. Literally nobody cares. I just whatever. Listen, I'm so excited that you're with us today. Uh, my guest is a good friend from many years ago. Uh, he is the uh, life pastor, life stage pastor, and men's ministry director at Orchard Hill Church out in the Cranberry Wexford area. It's a large church with a beautiful service and beautiful people. Please welcome to the show, Mike Hatch. Mike, welcome. It is good to be with you, Paul. And uh, I have to boast my. Yeah, you've got a nice my beard. My well grown beard, actually. It's my great. beard is not well grown and it never connects right <laughs> from <laughs> my upper lip to like time, those yeah. two little. <laughs> I've, I've experimented yes. with chia pet seeds before. Uh, I've used marker. Right. All of them make me look silly. So, well, kudos yeah. in your beard, Mike. It, hey, it took me a while to trust. You'll get there. You'll get no, there will I? <laughs> I? I've given up. Yeah. Um, so, you and I sat on mm-hmm. a set similar to this That's right. 20 years ago when we were at Robert Morris University. 20 years ago? It was 20 years ago? It was ago? 20 years ago. I did oh not have gosh. a mustache or beard. And yeah. you had a full head of hair. Yeah, <laughs> you had to bring that up. Oh, right, good. Yes, no. I did. Yes, it was thick too. Actually, it was. It was oh th- man. <laughs> Wave your right. locks on, on the show, man. But That's right. I, I feel like we've come a long way since then. We have. Oh my gosh, it's been a long time. We both kind of had unique journeys. Yeah. And it's fun to kind of come back together again in this. New season of life for it's both of us. It's a new season of life. We've been, uh, one of the things I like about Mike is that we have uh, reconnected a few years back. So we, we were very separate from each other. So after yeah. college, like we didn't really connect. Um, and you went to another state and mm-hmm. then came back. And we've been meeting with frequency ever since um, just because I, I, I value the investment. I, I think that men need to have other men in their lives um, that they can be authentic with, that they can have conversations with that they don't have with other people um, yeah. because we need that in a real way. And so we, we might get to that today um, or in another show. I might have you back for another show. But I, I, I do want to sure. really tease out our yeah. interaction a couple of years ago. So, I, you know, you had been back in Pittsburgh for a little bit. I had just come back to Pittsburgh, was here mm-hmm. for a little bit. Um, and you reached out to me. What happened? And, and just, if, would yeah, you mind sure. just telling me the story? Like, how, how did you reach out to me? And, and talk, let's talk about that first experience that we had uh, at lunch. Yeah. So I'll back up just a, a little bit and share kind of from my own experience what brought me to that point, okay. I guess. So, um, so I had joined uh, the staff at Orchard Hill, became a pastor there in 2013 was when I came on staff. And around 2014, 2015, I, uh, I, I took another young black gentleman aside to kind of uh, mentor and encourage and uh, disciple, basically, kind of spiritually mentor him. And I got to know him a little bit. And, and, it, and 
at some point, I forget when it was with the, um, oh gosh, the riots that were happening. Mm -hmm. Missouri, yeah, right? Yeah, so Ferguson, Missouri. Yes. Was right, that was right around that time. Yes, yeah. that was right around that time. And it just piqued my curiosity. And, uh, and I, I just asked him, I said, uh, and, and his name is Reggie, amazing guy. I said, Reggie, like, how are you feeling about all this? What's going on in your mind with all this, this racial tension and the things that are going on there, and the way the country is responding to this? And it ended up taking us on a, on a longer journey of discussion that began to really start opening my eyes to, um, to race, obviously, but also my own naivete or ignorance in terms of that. And soon after that, um, a beloved friend of mine, David Bowens, uh, another amazing black gentleman, came on uh, our staff soon after that on the worship team. And he and I had just started beginning to have started to have conversations, and it revolved around the uh, the Missouri incident and and actually the Black Lives Matter as that began to come up around that time as well. Right. And so I want to yeah. pause you because for con mm -hmm. context is important because right around that same time, so you know there was Mike Brown in Ferguson who was shot by police. That's right. There's Freddie Gray. There's Sandra Bland, and, and there's Eric. Uh, Gardner and all of these people were killed over a short period of time, but there is now video evidence that was talking about these That's things. Right. And so the thing I want to kind of slow down a little bit is mm -hmm. the fact that you, why did you ask your first uh, mentee mm -hmm. around his feelings? Like, because you didn't have to, because a lot of people don't, right? They, they'll say, well, oh, yeah. it's unfortunate that that's happening in a state that's far away from me. Yeah. Uh, onward with my day. But why did you ask? <laughs> yeah. Because um, just he, he, I realized he came from a different perspective being black, mm -hmm. basically. And I was curious. I, honestly, I was just really curious about that perspective. I realized that I, as I thought about my own life, uh, I was exposed rarely to, uh, to people of other races or, or minorities, basically. Uh, briefly, you know, when I was in high school, there were friends that I had who were, who were black, but it wasn't like we were super tight. My, my primary friend group, all white, we were all the same pretty much. And I just didn't know a whole lot about that perspective. And so I was curious about his perspective. And, and there was actually, it was interesting because I had, uh, I was, <laughs> okay, so I was at a, an Office Max or Office Depot, I think. And I was dressed in kind of sweats, and I had a hoodie over my head, and was just looking very stripped down and casual in a sense. And I was looking at some of the office desks, and, and I actually felt this manager following me around. Mm -hmm. and, and I realized, hmm, I probably look a little suspicious, you know? And, uh, and then I, I thought to myself, because I had heard various black people and black friends mention that they have had similar experiences like that where they walk into a store and just simply because of the way they look or the color of their skin that they, they will have people sometimes follow them around. And so if I'm honest, I was coming right off that feeling, I think if I, if I remember at that, one, at that time, and I thought to myself, interesting, I wonder if, if that's something like what he might be feeling or, or other people of color or minorities might feel. And so that motivated me toward that curiosity to find out more about his perspective. Does that make sense? It does. I was getting ready to ask you to tell me why you were curious, but I think that you've done a, a good job of helping me 
telling me what happened before then. So you had an incident that prompted yeah. you to be curious. But mm -hmm. I still don't know if that answers the question though, right? Mm -hmm. Because you, you could have made the choice not to have been curious. Like mm -hmm. you could have had the incident and that just been a single incident. But I think the thing that you did, mm -hmm. which, I, which we very much encourage in our training, is you had some reflective time where you were, it wasn't just a, an incident that happened, but you spent time reflecting on that incident and seeing how it connected to other thoughts, right? Is that accurate? Definitely, that's exactly right, yeah. There were definitely, um, I just, I guess for whatever reason, um, I don't know how to, so obviously being a Christian, I, I reflect on faith, I reflect on um, my need, my, my desperate need, uh, in a sense, for, for God's provision in my life. Mm -hmm. And so <clears throat> I'm, I'm always looking for areas where I'm, you know, weak or, or I don't know, some areas where... Your growth um, areas. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And this was, this was definitely an area that, that uh, for me, I felt deficient. Mm if that makes any sense. I felt it deficient does. in terms of my perspective. Interesting. And have you ever, had you felt deficient before? Was that a thought that come up? Or was it in relationship to that incident that sort of the spawn your reflection around your deficiency? Yeah, I think it was relationship that, okay. that caused me, which, which is interesting you say that. So, okay, so let me back up because something just, something yeah, else just popped in my mind yep. actually. So I remember in Chicago going to a church and they would have, um, whether it be sermon series or events that were around cultural uh, or uh, multicultural awareness. Um, and one of the things I remember the pastor saying at one point was, you should intentionally seek out friends who are, who are not your, your race. You should intentionally seek out, and specifically he was talking, uh, I think about black people in general, in general at that point, and he says, he mentioned the fact that he intentionally sought out other uh, black people to be able to interact with and, and to broaden his own perspective. And not that that was, <laughs> maybe subconsciously that was some of my motivation about, about bringing Reggie along and wanting to disciple him a little bit, but I think that seed was planted mm. years before in that. And I realized, at that point I realized, gosh, I'm, I'm so limited in my exposure. Yeah to different perspectives when it comes to race. Yeah, yeah. so that's really interesting, man. Like, I, I appreciate the fact that you've been on this journey of oh, yeah. just realization um, because you don't have to. And I think that that's one of the spaces that a lot of colleagues of mine will stay in that space. They'll just stay in the space of, A, we won't talk about whiteness as being a culture. So when you say, you know, mm -hmm. I only hung out with people that look like me and they're all white. And I was like, yeah, yeah that's, that's part of a white culture, right? Yeah. And so um, <clears throat> that also means that you have limited experience and exposure to other cultures, which right. speaks to value. So when, com when there's organizations that will have, uh, when they celebrate Black History Month, when they celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month, when, they when, they when companies celebrate these things, it's because there's not enough representation or conversation, and it's to, to start to plant that seed that hopefully somebody will say, I am really deficient in my understanding of round blank. And, and in Pittsburgh, you know, I had a conversation just the other day with um, a, an executive director of a nonprofit, mm -hmm. and he was talking about how th there's a large Bhutanese population in Pittsburgh, 
a significantly larger. What is Bhutanese? The, Bhutanese is a culture. It's a it's a race of people. I've um, never yeah. heard so, of that. Uh, you've probably heard of the many Nepali restaurants that are over in the South Hills. Okay. So yeah. the, the Nepal and Bhutanese like that those cultures are very close to each other. Okay. And it's giant. It's growing. It's one. It's the largest in the United States mm -hmm. population of refugees from that part of the world. Wow. It's changing the landscape of. Mm -hmm. Uh, suburban Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. So you, you look at um, Baldwin, Whitehall, so you kind of, they're just outside of the city mm -hmm. um, because there's been populations of folks who found support, they're coming here. And so now it's creating conversations where people have to say, well, what does that, what does that mean for me mm -hmm. to engage with a person who is Nepali? Yeah. See, in, in Chicago, I, I lived in Chicago and, mm -hmm. and for about nine years, and, uh, and one of the, the ethnicities that, that's especially prominent there is the, is the Latino uh, uh, culture. And one of the things that stuck out to me that I learned there about, about them is they, their value of family mm -hmm. is so strong. And I remember as I would drive from, especially on weekends, uh, I'd drive from one place to another and you'd pass like a, like a soccer field or, or a park or something like that. They would have uh, big forest preserves out there. And you would always see uh, Latinos, you know, Mexicans, in the field playing soccer, having a cookout, and, and just, I mean, could be hundreds of them there. And I remember being curious about that, and, and a buddy of mine was Mexican, and I asked him about it, and he said, yeah, they, they're all about family. And so, and, and the interesting that he, thing that he mentioned was that they're, they have less value about, uh, they value education less. And so it's interesting because the school district they were in performed, I guess, com comparatively poorly mm. because they, that, that, ethnic, that, that culture, they didn't, they didn't value that education. They valued family over education. And so it didn't mean that they were bad or they were doing something wrong. It just, that was their priority and their, their values. And it struck me, I remember, I remember at that point, it struck me like, wow, what a different perspective. Yet I, I, I also respected that mm -hmm. because I know how, as a white culture, how much we value performance and making the grade and succeeding, getting to that, uh, that elite school, right. that elite job. And, and for us though, it's, it's like the opposite. Family is way down here. Family is our, three. <laughs> yes, know, like yes. There's performing, there's uh, having sort of what is success and there's family. Yeah, so I have to say, I guess that bit of interaction too, it's funny how as you're talking, like little things are popping up my mind as I'm yeah. thinking about, yeah, that probably so, led to this. Well, that's a thing, so yeah. one of the key takeaways, I think, is the idea of being reflective on your own life journey and your mm -hmm. either engagement or deficiency with other people, right? Yeah. Like, so when you have these experiences, are you taking note of what happened? When you're in a Walmart and you see a person in front of you being treated poorly, I shouldn't have said the name Walmart because it could be anybody. Like, if you're in, if you're in, a, if you're right. in a store yes. and <clears throat> as a white person you see Mm. Um, this injustice or this mistreatment happening, mm -hmm. are you simply ignoring it? Or are you logging that in and saying, I, the next time that happens, I hope I have the courage to do this. Mm. Or I hope I ask questions around the leadership team at this restaurant around like, how are you all learning to navigate? Or when I'm in a position, mm -hmm. 
to lead, how can I train my employees or my staff to think yeah. about everybody uh, with equality and to, 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 to address this fact that this thing just happened, right? And so. So important. We often don't stop to reflect. We don't. Okay. We don't. Just keep we going. Just go to the next thing because you're always pushing to. Yeah. yeah. That's really good. So I'm talking to Mike Hatch uh, and he's white. <laughs> <laughs> I'm black. Very. <laughs> He's very white. We talked about that. Like, if Mike yes. and I were on stage together, so I come across as very black, right? Like, I have textured hair. I have a broad nose. Mike is very white. Like, yes. And you came in drinking a, a coffee cup. Yes. I was just like, dude, man, like, the only thing that would make you more white right now <laughs> is if you had on, like, I had a MacBook and some sandals. I don't know. It's cold outside. But. I... Yes, it's, my it's MacBook happened. was in my car, actually. <laughs> I didn't forget it, but you're right. You're right, man. I am very, my wife makes fun of me for being as white as I am sometimes. Anyway, yes, yes, very so, true. I love it, man. So, but, but I think the yeah. thing that, and what's crazy is we haven't even gotten to the story, right? Like, right, so this, yeah, this all is still backstory, right? This is, back, this is revelations of your thought process, and the key thing is that you were reflective, which mm -hmm. led to you being curious. So you, you right. noticed two things that have happened, mm -hmm. possibly more, but mm -hmm. you notice these, at least these two things, yeah. and you started to reflect on them and how they relate to you and people that are now in your inner circle, right? That's right. And so you had some moments, and then yeah. you reached out to so, me. Yes, exactly. So let me talk about just a, a yep. one or two other moments that, that led up to this. That Because, um, so I, I one, our, one of our worship leaders at Orchard Hill is David Bowens, and he's a, an amazing... He's a black guy, amazing guy, become a, a super close friend. And he, he and I had had conversations. And for example, the, the Black Lives Matter thing, that was, I remember he was over at our house and, um, and my wife asked him like, what is with this Black Lives Matter? <laughs> like, doesn't every life matter? Like the typical no. kind of response, which, and he so graciously and lovingly brought in his, his perspective for us and helped open our eyes and we left completely uh, changed in terms of, and, and with, a, with a lot more appreciation mm. for uh, what's behind what Black Lives Matter and that whole message. And um, then he and I had the chance to do a funeral together, and he played the organ, and I, and I think I was just there for support. But he and I went together, and on our drive back, we, we were, I can't remember where we were, but it was very, um, oh gosh, rural. Mm -hmm. It was very rural. Yeah. And we had stopped at a uh, speedway to grab a sandwich or something. And, and he mentioned the fact that based, based on where we were, like you could tell it was, it was, it was Hickville. Mm -hmm. if, maybe that's a bad way of saying it, but maybe I can get away with it being white. I can say that. But it was, it was Hickville. Like, and we pulled up to the speedway. And I remember him saying to me, hey, look, I'm just saying like, this is out of my comfort zone. <laughs> it's done with my ethnicity and where we're walking into. And this may, um, it, we'll see what happens in, in here and it may be uncomfortable. And I, and I said, okay, it's just to be sensitive to that. So we walked in and oh my gosh, like it, it was, I, I wish I could remember where it was. Maybe I shouldn't say it, but everybody was in overalls. I mean, it looked like everybody was straight off the farm, mm -hmm. very white. I mean, it would, the only thing that would make it more like a scene out of Deliverance as if somebody had like, you know, wheat coming out, holding wheat in there. It was crazy. But one of the things I felt as I walked in with David, and David's a big man, he's a big black guy with, with the locks, long locks, and 
I felt uh, everybody's eyes on us immediately. Mm. It was very overwhelming. And uh, it was very interesting, first time I'd ever experienced that. And then we got our sandwiches and we left and we got in the car and we were eating in, in my car. And I watched as people walked out from the speedway and, and craned their necks staring at him. It was very obvious, staring mm. at him um, as they were walking out and it was the craziest thing, and, and I'm having this interaction with David, saying, "Oh my gosh! Like, look at this! Look at what the, Look at how they're." What were you thinking at that time as you were seeing this, or what were you feeling? Oh man, I was definitely feeling uncomfortable. I was feeling awkward. I was feeling angry because he—he's a good friend. You know, he's a really good friend. I love him, and I know him. And to see people look at him, the, the way I described it was as, as if they were looking at him as if he was a, an animal in a cage or something. It's just like something they'd never seen before, you know? Um, and yeah, it was very awkward and, and it, yeah, it made me a little upset. And, but the cool thing was is we got to talk about that and debrief that whole experience on the way home, which just led to, again, expanding my experience, expanding um, my perspective on his, on his perspective, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. And we got to talk a lot about more, more things that played into that too, just being a black man growing up uh, in Philadelphia, in the inner city, to being here in Pittsburgh now. And uh, anyway, so that, all those things led up to then us. And so, honestly, I was feeling, <laughs> I, think, I think I was feeling woke, in yeah. a sense. And, uh, and, and, and like, wow, okay, like I'm starting to get, like this is totally different and I'm starting to get this. And I see you on, I think it was on LinkedIn maybe? Mm-hmm. I think it was when I saw you on LinkedIn. And obviously, we had a great relationship in college. We hung out uh, doing media, TV stuff yeah. before, too. Had a blast doing that. And, uh, and so I was excited to connect with you and everything. And all that, you know, plus the momentum of this new awareness that I felt like was happening, uh, kind of pushed me towards you, in a sense, and saying, man, I, I want to get together with him clearly to reconnect because we had a great relationship and I, and I love you as, as a friend and a brother. But also there was a part of me that was like, oh man, I, I really can't wait to learn more and yeah. expand my perspective. And so you, you and I sat down together, Paul, and let's just say it was very clumsy how I... Yeah, you word vomited on me. I and, did, uh, <laughs> yes. You said, I'm black people, ah. <laughs> Yes, ah, yes. I'm white and black and I just... Yes. And, and so, That's but right. I, I think that there's a couple of... Well, so your mm-hmm. take on that experience was what? Oh man, so I, so I was so grateful because I realized after tripping over myself mm. several times and, real, and kind of realized, wow, listen to the insecurity in me that's kind of just coming out as I'm doing this and, and, uh, and, and how clumsy I felt interacting with you on, on, when it comes to race. Um, yet you came alongside me in a way that was extremely helpful, extremely gracious and loving. Um, and I love it because your, your business is care-based leadership. Mm-hmm. And you, that is exactly what you did. You, <laughs> I still remember, I can even see your face as you kind of were like, you, you kind of like, <laughs> almost like, okay, I know I've got to address this, and, but, but like so loving and, and you kind of brought me along and said, okay, Mike, look, I really, you, you affirmed me, uh, you appreciated me for, for, for 
um, wanting to learn more, but then you also very lovingly helped me to understand how to approach it in a, in a much more helpful, constructive way um, where I didn't, uh, where I could feel safe around you and not feel insecure, uh, which, which, and that's what I'm finding out more and more is, is fear drives this yep. over and over. And, and as I was interacting with you in that moment, for sure, I think fear was driving me and you helped to put my fears at ease yeah. in a sense by accepting me, caring me, for me in that moment, which then opened up the ability for us to, to have dive. more constructive and productive conversations. Yep. And dive deeper. And so, yeah. and I think that first conversation was constructive. Um, and I think that, so one of the things I valued greatly about your coming to me was saying, look, I've got some questions. Um, and I think that I could ask them to you in a space. Like, I think that there's a mutual understanding that we were going to protect each other to get to the end of the conversation. Definitely. To get to the end of the conversation. And that was, that's a thing that, um, so sometimes I work in the black communities around sustaining that conversation because um, I, mm. I'll have people that look like me that will not be as caring. Mm. Uh, and the conversation shuts down and, and then it shuts down two ways, right? Yep. So now they're not having a conversation and they're not, it's also not on black people to carry that burden, to, to lift that um, and educate white people. But there is, there is a shared responsibility um, in this space of coming to terms around the idea of what it means to be white and to, to have the choice to be um, oblivious for much of your, of your life. Yes. But when you start to lean in, um, I think everything that happened with you is what happens what, when I'm working with white colleagues, right? Like they will, they have this moment of feeling woke because they've had a, a feeling, right? Yep. They had, oh, yeah. they've had a reflection. They had this feeling of like, oh man, I've got to, I got to say something about this. And then they do and then say, I'm good. Like I'm good forever. But the thing is, you're, you don't ever wake up. You're never woke. Like right. it's a, it's a waking process that is continual, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and so even, even though there are folks that will say, yo, I'm, I'm so woke. And I actually, there's a young lady, I won't say her name, but yeah. she, we were working together um, at, a, at a conference and she said, I'm just so woke now. And I was like, no, no, you've had a great experience that started to wake you up, but you will go back to sleep again today and you'll need to wake up again tomorrow because it's going to be something else. And that's the idea of this being a journey, that as long yeah. as you're willing to be on the journey with the other people around you, if you're living in the South Hills, like being on that journey with the Nepali, the Nepalese population mm -hmm. and the Bhutanese population, like just asking the questions, yeah. you didn't have practice mm -hmm. asking the things that you wanted to ask because you just didn't have to for your yeah. whole life. That's right. And so it came out like you didn't have practice, like it was your first time mm -hmm. engaging in this way. Um, yeah. And it's funny, have you ever seen The Neighborhood, the show? The, there's know. a show called The Neighborhood where it's a, it's a white family that intentionally moves into a black neighborhood. That's funny. And uh, Cedric the Entertainer is oh, the- Oh, I saw the commercials. He is yeah, the, yeah. he's the black neighbor. And, oh my gosh, <laughs> the hilarity that ensues is, is, is fantastic. But um, there, was a, there was a moment where Cedric, I, I can't remember the character's names, but he asked the white guy to, uh, if, if he wants to come to him to a, uh, to a country club where he's got a pass to go golfing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the white guy is like, oh yeah, sure, no big deal. Not realizing, and Cedric, his intentions come out later too, that Cedric is, is looking for that white guy to kind of be with him right. in that environment of the country club. But then in the process, 
the white guy ends up seeing how Cedric is treated in certain ways mm. um, and then has an experience and then he overreacts to that. Like I think he he stood up and started like shouting things in you know in in, right. the, in like the restaurant of, of the uh, country club, talking about how yeah. people should value black people or whatever. It was, but it was a hilarious scene because he definitely overreacted. And, yeah. We have uh, sixty seconds left. Okay. What is the message that you want? To, because there's the thing is most of the folks that are listening. Um, to this podcast have met me at a training and they say, I don't have conversations like this. I like listening to your show because you're helping me hear things from other perspectives. So they're sitting at home saying, I want to yeah. take that step. What's your, your counsel as a person who's taken the step and has continued to take that step? Oh man, it, it can be hard and awkward and feel clumsy, but it's worth it. It's worth it because you broaden your own perspective, obviously, but also the relationships that you, God created us differently on purpose. He's a creative God and our skin color reflects that diversity of who God is. And as, as we get to know people who are different from us and are, are humble enough and willing to do that, in my perspective, you get to know yourself better, but also the God who created us better. And we can't be colorblind. You know, a lot of white people are used to saying, I'm just colorblind. No, you're not. God didn't create us to be colorblind. Mm. He created us to see the beauty of, of diversity and to embrace it and, uh, and grow to appreciate it and love it. And man, there's, there are riches uh, if you're willing to do the hard work that, that can sometimes be clumsy. <laughs> but but it, it's worth it. Is, I guess is my, is my thought. My catch, thanks so much for being on the yeah. show. I'm gonna to have to have you back on the show uh, so we can talk yeah. some more. That's our time. Visit our website, carebasedleadership.org for ways that you can learn more about this, hear more conversations, uh, or bring us in to do a training for you. Thanks for watching, take care. <laughs> <laughs>